Gospel of John, chapter 7. going to read an event that starts in uh, verse 37 of John chapter 7. On the last day and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has been said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, Earlier in chapter 7, Jesus and his disciples are having a conversation, and Jesus says, you guys go on down to Jerusalem, or he probably said going up since it's elevated, going up to Jerusalem for this festival, I'm not coming. And then he said, my time has not yet come. But later in the week, just a few days later, Jesus changes his mind, and goes to the festival. Now, the festival of booths, B-O-O-T-H-S, booths, is the third most popular festival among the Jews in Jesus' time. Passover and Pentecost were uh, the two most favorite. But the booths was a big deal. It was a harvest festival. It would have come in the month that you and I call October. It was a harvest festival. Now, this didn't last just one day. It lasted the whole week. And the first day and the last day of the festival were days of rest. No work on first day or the last day. The days in between those were days that they had prescribed sacrifices to make in the temple. So on these big events, these big festivals, every Jew that was in traveling distance of Jerusalem came. If they were able to, they got there. And so the city of Jerusalem was just packed with people. And everybody camped out. If you lived in the city or if you lived outside the city, you still camped out in the streets, in the city squares, anywhere you could find a place put up a little shelter of some sort to make a tent, that's where you slept because this celebration was a commemoration of when the Jews moved from uh, Egypt to Palestine and crossed that great desert and lived in tents all of that time and were fully dependent upon God for their sustenance. That's what this celebration was about. It was a big deal and everybody was there. Now, by midweek, 
We don't know why, but Jesus changes his mind, and he comes on down or comes up to Jerusalem. He enters the temple before chapter 7, and, uh, uh, and earlier in chapter 7, and gets really in trouble. Uh, people are uh, grateful for Jesus' miracles. Uh, they were grateful for his teaching and what authority he had. The Jewish leadership was not quite so enthused. They were ready to arrest Jesus, but they couldn't because Jesus was so popular with the crowd. So on the last day of the festival, Jesus comes into the temple again. Now, some of you know what the temple is like, and some of you might not know. The temple is a great big, lot bigger than this building, and if this was a piece of the temple, this would be the inner court where just the Jewish men would be able to gather. But on the outside of this wall right here, there'd be another courtyard that would be open. There would be columns on that end of the building, columns on this end of the building, columns at that back end of the building, just, just great open space for all people to gather, all Jews to gather, all Gentiles to gather, the people's court. You and I are not accustomed to things like uh, street preachers anymore. Has it been a 20 years or more since the street preacher's been on the streets of Marion? Yes, okay. You're not accustomed to that anymore. You're not accustomed to going to a park and hearing a philosopher stand up on the bench and, and begin to talk about his philosophy of life. But that was common in Jesus' day and common in the temple. Uh, teachers, rabbis, or others would come and speak and draw a crowd and people would listen to them. So this is not an uncommon thing. So Jesus comes. By this time, it's the end of the festival. The word has already spread that Jesus is there, of course. And people are looking for him to listen to him. And he comes and he says in his loudest kind of good preacher voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his inner being shall flow rivers of water. Now we might not know what that really was about, except John goes on to tell us what it's really about. John said Jesus is telling us about the Holy Spirit coming into our life and filling our life, and the Holy Spirit will flow out through us to other people in the world to bless them, to care for them, etc. But this flow of the Spirit in us and through us to other people is what he was talking about. That message is strong for us today as it was back then. If you are one of God's people, you ought to be recognizing the flow of the Spirit in your life, through your life, to other people. Now, if you're scratching your head, I don't believe I'm recognizing that flow in my life. There might be a number of reasons, but one, I think uh, 
is evident to us in God's creation. There's a lot of God's truth in how he created things. And I think the truth that answers the question about whether the flow of the Spirit is in or through you and through you is found in the natural flow of water. Uh, most of you are country enough to know that if a stream flows into a basin and doesn't flow out of that basin, it stagnates. It gets putrid. It gets unusable. If you leave it there long enough, the animals don't drink, and it doesn't nourish the life around it. The great uh, Salt Lake and the Dead Sea are two of those great examples of basins in which live water flows but doesn't flow out. And when it doesn't flow out, life is terribly diminished. However, if the stream flows into a basin and then out of a basin, good things happen. Vegetation grows up around that basin. Animals come and drink from that basin. An ecosystem that causes that part of the world, that how little part or big, to be an ecosystem that's healthy and thriving. Now that's a God's truth we find in his very creation. Now, I think the metaphor is awfully clear to us. Unless we're allowing the Spirit of God to flow in through us and out from us to other people, we're going to be pretty salty, we're going to be pretty crusty, and we're going to diminish life rather than give life. God has called us to give life. I wish it weren't true what I'm getting ready to tell you, but it is. There are people in the world who can come to a place like this and sit here week after week. They can go through the motions of prayer. They can go through the motions of Bible study. But it stops right there, wherever it is that it stops in your body. It just stops. Because you never leave your little comfort zone and reach out to another person who needs your love. Now... Most of us have enough family around us that we're responsible for and we can reach out to them and love real easily. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. And I'm not asking you not to do that anymore because sometimes that's all we've got energy to do. Sometimes. But there are people in this world who are waiting for somebody to love them, to recognize them as fully human, to recognize them as a person created by God, worthy of God's love 
And they don't know that because nobody's loved them. If you're in uh, elementary school or high school or college, you run across people who are kind of on the outside of things. They're loners. They're not social. Those are the people that we need to target to slosh some of God's love on that comes in and through us as we do our due diligence to pray and to worship and to study. And if that prayer and that worship and that study doesn't create a platform for you and I to reach out to people who need our love, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. It wasn't just in the Old Testament that the prophets who God stirred up to tell the people of God that they were not being loving to everybody, that they weren't being fair to everybody, that they weren't including the poor, they weren't including the outcast, or they weren't including the marginalized. Jesus said the same thing to the Pharisees who were the very best moral people that they knew in Jesus' time, the Jews. Yet Jesus said time after time, you use the law only to your advantage. You use your prestige only to feather your own nest. And you're not reaching out to those people who are marginalized, who are poor, who are unable to be a part of this great society we have. And Jesus says, I think, the same thing to us today. Some of the meanest people I've ever met were people who claimed to be Christian, but they were mean-spirited. And other things that aren't very good. Some of those people knew the Bible or know the Bible very well. And what they did was they used it to tell me what a bad sinner I was. They wanted to catch me every time I made a mistake. They wanted to remind me. They wanted to tell me that no, the way you interpret the Bible is wrong and what the real interpretation is this. And until you change your mind from this to this, you're not a man of God. You made a mistake when you insulted so-and-so, and I'm going to hold that against you for the rest of your time. You know that happens. I, I wish it didn't happen, but it happens. Those people are crusty, rusty, salty and dead to the life of God that God intends them to have. Because God intends for us to take what He's giving us and what He continues to give us in the life of the community of God, we need to be giving that to other people, that same love, that same care. Now, there are certain people in uh, any community, I don't care whether it's PG or where it is, it happens everywhere, my town, High Point, just the same. 
there's some people who are just not quite our people. And we hold them at a distance. We do it uh, verbally sometimes. Uh, we talk about them. Um, sometimes we do it more forcefully than just verbally. That happens everywhere in the world. But shame on us that it happens anywhere. And shame on us that it would happen here. When God gives us love and grace, knowledge, wisdom, we're to share that with other people. Especially those who are unacceptable especially those who are the hardest to love. And that is a great challenge for us, to find a way to love people that aren't very lovely. But Jesus said, if you drink from my well, these waters will flow out of you to other people. So don't let yourself be a catch basin. Let yourself be a flowing river. Now it's obvious that some of us, I was here 25 years ago and I see some of the same people still here. And some of those people have diminished in their vitality and their vigor and their strength and their mental capacities, all those things. And over those 25 years, I have diminished some in some of those things. But that doesn't relieve me of the responsibility to use what God has given me where he's placed me. Nor does it relieve you of your responsibility. You might not be able to do what you once did, but you can do something still now. And we're not required to do what we used to be able to do. We're required to do what we are able to do now as God allows us. Some of you are young and busy about life. Some of you are younger and busy about school. Some of you are young and you're just a new believer and you really don't know what it means yet. To receive that drink from Jesus and let it flow out to you, to other people. But your job as a citizen of the kingdom of God is to decide what that means for you. Whether you're in the third grade or whether you're a third year college student or whether you're a 25 year old mom. It is our responsibility to discover what does that mean for me to receive the Spirit of God through worship and study and prayer, etc., and to let it flow through me to give life to somebody else. That's our job. Texas Pete, not the sauce, Chet, not the sauce. Texas Pete was a legendary pioneer in the deserts of West Texas. Now, way back then, when there weren't any roads, there were just horse trails and buggy trails and walking trails. 
It took a long time to get across some of that West Texas desert to where you needed to be. Well, Texas Pete found a well and put a hand pump well, a hand pump device in that well so that travelers who came that way could have water to drink. But if you know anything about pumps in the old time, and I guess even hand pumps today, not all of them, but a lot of them need priming. That means you put some water in, pour water in it to moisten the gasket, a little rubber gasket that gets moist so it doesn't leak and it can pump water up out of that well, out of the faucet into whatever you want it to be. Texas Pete took a quart jar with a top, put it under in the ground under a rock next to the pump. And on the pump handle, he left this message. He said, don't pump this well without priming it first. There's a quart of water in the ground under the rock by the base of the pump. Prime the pump with that quart. Then drink all you want, fill your canteens, refill the quart jar, place it back under the rock where you found it so the next traveler can do the same. You and I need to make sure that we're leaving a quart of water for the next traveler just as Texas Pete did. To be is a blessing, but to live is holy. Our job is to find out what it means to be holy, separated for the work of God, to not only receive his blessing, but to share his blessing. Don't be a basin without an outlet. Let's pray. Our Father, you have blessed this Pleasant Gardens community in ways that you've not blessed the rest of the world. And they have responded many times by sharing that blessing with other people. Lord, I'm grateful for their work in this community and the blessing they are to other people. Lord, I pray that their tribe would increase that if anyone within the sound of my voice feels a little salty this morning, they begin to figure out a way to let the blessings of God flow out of them, as so many in this community already do. Hear our prayer. Work in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing our invitation hymn, you're invited to come to be a part of this congregation. You're invited to come and, and pray if you'd like. You're invited to come and just say to Ethan or I what's on your heart that God has urged you to come and share with us.
come as we sing. Let's stand together.